Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat wrap-up show featuring WhiteAndBlueReview.com's Matt DeMoranis. Good evening, folks. Uh, this is Matt DeMoranis from White and Blue Review, sitting here with Johnny Atalo from the Omaha World Herald. After a 90-81 win by the 25th-ranked Creighton Blue Jays over the UT Arlington Mavericks, um, it was you know a game billed as kind of Creighton's final... Uh, last chance at kind of a resume booster because a lot of people expect UT Arlington to have a pretty good season being um, as talented as they are and as experienced as they are. Uh, so all in all, a good win for Creighton, although it was a bit of a tale of two halves. They kind of, you know, played probably one of their best halves of the season in the first half and, um, you know, you could argue one of their worst ones from a defensive perspective in the second half. I guess John Wooded. What are some of your takeaways from what you maybe saw over the 40 minutes or if you want to segment it up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the first half was definitely, um, I mean, it kind of caught me by surprise a little bit, just the the ease at which Creighton se- separation. Yeah, yeah, seemed to be doing what it wanted to on offense. I mean, pushing tempo the way it likes to leaking guys out and getting some easy buckets or at least some easy opportunities, some of them, some of which it didn't convert, some were turnovers, but um, they were playing at the pace they wanted to. And then defensively, uh, I just felt like everything that Creighton prepared for, it, it was sort of unfolding in that same manner yeah. on the court, which you give credit to Creighton. You give credit to the coaches for coming up with the game plan, obviously, and the guys, the players for going out and applying the concepts that they worked on in practice. And um, they had UT Arlington frustrated. Like a, you could just see it on their faces. Um, those guys were definitely s- sort of down in the dumps in that first half. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's unfortunate, obviously, that Creighton couldn't sort of come up with the uh, the knockout blow. Just one little five-minute run to start the half, yeah. Right. That That's all it would have taken. Yep. But um, I think, I mean, you, cre- you knew UT Arlington is better than you know, being down 20 at half to Creighton. So they were going to perform. There was going to be sort of a, a water-finding-its-level type of um, performance nice. in the second half. But you use analogy, that's pretty good. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, analogies, man. I think they're all sports writer cliches. Yeah, exactly. About. But so those those four threes that I think that they hit early on in the half, mm-hmm. I think that was sort of the catalyst for it because that got, yeah, that got them feeling good. And Creighton, unfortunately for them, for for the Jays, Creighton wasn't able to answer in that moment. Um, I think Creighton started, uh, what was it like four of fifteen from the floor or something? Yep. One of eight, four of sixteen, yeah. four of sixteen, one of eight from from three to begin the second half. So a couple good looks in there, maybe some rush shots. I think Max said mm-hmm. he thought he saw some of the guys maybe forcing the issue a little bit, uh, but they weren't able to kind of go blow for blow at that time and. I think UT Arlington got some of its momentum, and Creighton probably felt there was an eight zero run there where I think Creighton probably gave up when they looked they back. They got up it, by sixteen again, and it felt like when they look back on the film, I think Creighton's going to be a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was Neil getting into the teeth of the defense for a floater, or uh, maybe uh, there was a possession where they had two uh, offensive rebounds that. Uh, um, on the same possession, and the second one was converted by Hervey for a bucket. Obviously, the uh, sort of fluky 
off a uh, defensive rebound that ends up in a, in a bucket when Ronnie and, and yeah, Mitch both Mitch like both tipped it in, tipped it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think there was a play with four seconds on the shot clock on an inbounds play um, where Creighton just left a guy yeah. uh, wide open for a layup. I think those, I think that right there. I just I think that was the eight zero run. And so that when you look at it, when they when the Jays go back, they'll be like, okay, definitely- all of these things can be things that we could easily Absolutely. avoided. And so that's I think that'll be the encouraging part for for Creighton because. Um, sure, Kevin Harvey got loose. I mean, I think there was a stretch where he scored eight in a row for that for that team. Um, you know, they obviously they hit some tough jump shots and they got Creighton uh, sped up a little bit at the very end of the game, but the lead was big enough for Creighton to uh, to withstand some mistakes. But I think to me, my takeaway will be um, the way Creighton brought energy and the way that it um, executed in the first half especially on the defensive end, and then just Marcus Foster yeah. being who he is and leading the way. Phenomenal performance by him all around, um, not just scoring the basketball. I mean, UT Arlington didn't really have anybody who would guard him. That mm-hmm. was pretty evident from the start, and mm-hmm. he recognized that and took advantage of it. They needed him today for sure, uh, particularly in the second half. I thought he hit some big shots to keep the momentum on their side. I thought it was interesting from Creighton's perspective, the defensive performance when you compare the first half uh, to the second half. <clears throat> and you see how just aggressive Creighton was defensively. Like, you know, they you could see that they were very well prepared from a scouting report standpoint. They were taking a lot of chances in passing lanes. They were paying off with, you know, pick sixes leading to buckets and dunks. And, um, you know, even Kyrie got a technical foul for hanging on the rim a little too long, um, which is a retaliation to Kevin Hervey obviously getting one that was well-deserved as well. Um <laughs> Well deserved. I, I don't know. I was like, you let the guys play. I mean, I no, I totally agree with the call. But I mean, if you're going to call it on Hervey, you got to call. You had to Kyrie. call it on Kyrie. Yeah. Like there was he no was pleading. Way. He was saying, you know, hey, there was a guy underneath me, and I didn't want to land <laughs> on him. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, I mean, over, overall, I guess defensively, you look at what Creighton, how tenacious they were um, in the first half, and it just seemed like in the second half they were, you know, where it was more reading. And being proactive in the first half, there was more reaction going on in the second half. They were chasing a lot. They were behind a lot. They were, you know, they weren't being as aggressive in the ball screens, weren't being as aggressive in the passing lanes. They were kind of letting UT Arlington dictate what they wanted to do offensively. And it kind of, you know, once the thing started rolling downhill, it becomes hard to stop a team like that once they're in a rhythm. Um, So you kind of just had to survive. You know, Creighton was still able to, you know, make enough baskets in the end to, you know, keep the gap comfortable, even though it seemed like they should be uncomfortable. Um, but like you said, Marcus Foster. I mean, for so long as season high has been twenty three, I think he's hit that four times this year. Season right, high, the season high of twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Finally, I mean, he almost broke that in the first half, so right. he felt like that was going down tonight. Um, but thirty two points on twenty shots. But I think something that you kind of keyed on uh, during the game, not necessarily the efficiency scoring wise, which you kind of know that's in him. He's you know he can break out for a thirty plus pretty easily with how talented he is, but. Six rebounds, four assists, two steals, only one turnover in 35 minutes. And, I mean, when you look at the rebounding, too, like, just go through his last, like, after the first, you know, three games of the season where there wasn't much rebounding going on from Marcus, which yeah. is, like, kind of what he was last year. You got six boards versus uh, UCLA, five versus Baylor, um, five versus North Dakota, seven versus Nebraska, six tonight. I mean, he's kind of, you know, making strides in that area to kind of yeah, yeah. round out his game a little bit. Um, yeah, he's taking boards away from Kyrie. I know, right? Kyrie Thomas is. I figured Kyrie would be more double doubles this year than, <laughs> than that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, 
it's just he, he definitely routed out his game tonight. I think it was something interesting that he mentioned in the post game was that someone asked him if he knew how many NBA scouts were in attendance, and he said no. Um, his motivation is just that he understands um, that time's running out, and conference play starting here pretty soon. That's yeah. kind of where you know Creighton's almost going to be challenged on a nightly basis to get quality wins and you know make another NCAA tournament run, which. As a senior in his position, that's where you want to end your career. You know, you don't want to be playing in the NIT anymore. So, I guess from his individual performance, you saw that sense of urgency tonight. <clears throat> so, if that's what you can expect going forward, I mean, I just that's, look out because that's a different level. And I just saw intensity and energy. From yeah, him. like it wasn't just. I remember, like, I remember there was a play where it. His, I mean, his, <coughs> his only turnover actually. I remember his his only turnover was this. I think he either split a double team or maybe just knife through a gap in the zone. I can't remember what UTR Arlington was playing at the time, but uh, he got in the, the teeth of the defense and got stripped. He wanted a foul, though, and he immediately looked over at the ref and just had, like, you could just see it in his eyes. Like, yeah. he was like, um, he felt, you know, sometimes you see guys complain just because they know, like, oh, that was a bad play. I better complain or look to the ref because I got to uh, sort of save face. Mm-hmm. But, like, there was something different about the way that he, you know, uh, just the way he was carrying himself tonight and um to me that that was a play that stuck out because it, it just seemed like everything was going well at the time by the way i mean Craig was up by 15 or 20 points yeah. you know and and he was rolling and it was like a, one minor mistake but he didn't even want to live with that like he mm-hmm. was he was pretty frustrated at that moment so um yeah man he's got if he can play with that demeanor yeah forget cons- that. yeah don't it's 32 don't like, 32 points that's Nah. Unsustainable. Right. You can't like average that for us eighteen game season. But um, like, but, but the the energy that he played yes. with, um, especially on, on the defensive end, mm-hmm. you know, shouting out positioning and and instructions to guys, and then just kind of being, being smart being, offensively with that same yeah. kind of aggression. Yeah, it was a it was a not, it was a really good display. It'll be one that probably his best performance of the season. Maybe yeah, considering they put might, two halves together. I it might have been. Um, Northwestern was late. Nebraska was late. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Is there anything? I mean, he had a I guess couple, he was pretty good against Yale the whole time. I was right? going to say, I think he had a couple games against maybe some subpar opponents okay. that um, he was just like, what was the Yale game when he was like 8 and 9 from the yes. floor or something? Yeah. He, had a, like, yeah. he had a few like ridiculously efficient. Right. I think he was 78% shooting in the first two games. <laughs> right. years something like that. Total. So, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, tonight was at another level, and it'll be a game, I'm sure, at the end of the year that we, when we're reflecting on his season, it'll be like one of the top ones that, that he's had. But mm-hmm. I think it is possible to sort of bottle up, um, like I said, that just that confidence and that set the tone mentality that he had. Like, I want to play hard because I know that the guys will follow my lead. That yeah, I remember talking to him when he decided to come back from for his senior year. You know, um, it's like three days after the so a tournament. NCAA tournament ended okay. or whatever it was. I don't know, maybe five days. It was really quick. Um, and I kind of had You to, made the decision really quick. Yeah, yeah. I, I had considered in my head. I, I thought, I, you know, test the waters. Everyone tests the waters. Why not, why not test the waters? But he was pretty adamant about he knew what – he knew what he needed to get done. And plus he also had a vision or he was already envisioning what kind of role he wanted. I remember him mentioning Josh Hart or uh, Frank Mason, you know, this sort of lead dog seniors, the alphas Mm -hmm. that put the team on the back and they do more than just put the ball in the hoop. I mean, there's a way that they play. 
um, there's sort of that, like I said, that kind of demeanor as as a as a, a leader. Bit extra. Yep. Yep. And so he, I think he's starting to find or figure out um, how how to play in that way. So I mean, we got to see it more. We got to see it more from it, but from I, him in that manner. But but this in, is a in, good, in fairness, a before you see it like statistically, <clears throat> we've seen it in just his offseason work. He is. You know, we noticed in June, July, and as October got closer that, you know, he was in better shape. He was trimmer. He didn't kind of like, you know, have one of those Marcus Foster off seasons where he just, you know, comes in and then gets himself into shape as the season rolls around. Like, yeah. he came in he came in ready. I think he's, you know, his body type looks a lot different than it was. It's almost jarring. Have you ever, have you watched any of the last year's games recently? Uh-uh. If you do... It's almost like scary to see how different Marcus looks were, physically. Like there were a couple of moves I was talking to uh, guy sitting next to me on, on press row when when he exploded to the rim, uh-huh. and we're like, you know, wow. I mean, and he was he hasn't been around uh, Creighton, and this is the first game he's seen in person, and so he was like, that's a different Marcus Fox. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's certainly put, had a good offseason, put in a lot of work. What were your impressions of UT Arlington? Because I guess you know coming in, it's like. Creighton was like a what like a twelve thirteen point favorite, so they were still expected to kind of do something like this. But I mean, UT Arlington's you know a really good basketball team. You can see they're really talented. They've beaten some good teams. They've hung with some good teams. I mean, they they scored ninety nine in Oklahoma. I know it didn't count. It was an ex- one of those charity exhibition games. But you know they hold Trey Young, who's all of a sudden emerged as the front runner for player of the year um you know he turns the ball over seven times in 25 minutes like they sh- you know kind of you know bottled him up right um this is an impressive basketball team when you look at them on paper um and clearly they're talented when you see them in person what do you i guess what are your impressions of what this win um means for a creighton team that is probably going to face five to six ncaa tournament team type teams coming up for the next two months yeah um well, I thought that from a matchup standpoint, there were some concerns just because of UT Arlington's size. Yeah, um, the seven footers. Uh, Hervey's six nine, but he can get off the floor quick. I mean, they they don't have a ton of blocks on the season. I think they average like four and a half a game, but their the opponent percentage shooting percentage at the rim was really low. Like they were top twenty five nationally in protecting mm-hmm. the rim, and so I feel like. That's sort of a blueprint when you're talking about length and size inside mm-hmm. and the ability to protect the rim. A blueprint for um, a team that can give Creighton problems because of how important it is for Creighton to get the ball into the teeth of a defense and and score at the at the rim, whether it's lobs to the bigs or guards penetrating Marcus Foster, Kyrie Thomas driving um, and attacking and finishing at the rim because, yeah, Creighton can shoot the ball and they're – the, they uh, they have to hit some jumpers to win games, especially against good opponents. But that's not all they they can do. That's not all they want to do. I mean, mm-hmm. for the offense to work, they have to do, especially if they're not getting um, a ton of uh, transition looks. They were in the first half. They didn't in the second. But mm-hmm. um, they have to they have to put the ball. They they're not they're not going to give the go- the ball to a, a a guy in the post and let him back that de- back someone down. They're going to have people attacking off ball screens. Um, off cuts, um, rolls to the rim, and so in those moments they ha- they want to be able to finish. And I thought UT Arlington, um, just the way it was made up, was going to give Creighton problems doing that, and they did at times. Yes, yeah. um, I mean there were a few block shots, there were a few altered shots. Yeah. I, but I think something I mean, that what's, kind of what bugged was... UT Arlington when 
the, the, I think the ease it with Creighton was getting to the rim off dribble penetration kind of bothered maybe UT Arlington's coaches because they switched to that matchup zone maybe halfway through that first 10-minute mm-hmm. stretch in the second half, and they kind of stuck to it pretty much for the rest of the game. Um, One of the things that UT Arlington's coach said afterwards, he just thought his guys played with a little bit more toughness, and probably the fact that they <clears throat> hit some shots early in the second half fueled their yeah. – um, fueled them a little bit and they played harder on defense and I think I think that was the case um and plus they I mean they were in a no-lose situation you're down 20 and a half like what else are you gonna do you're either gonna get your butt whooped for yeah, the rest of the half worse or, or you're gonna like man up and, yeah. and play harder and that's what they did so um a little bit of credit to that's them that reminds yeah, me of a quote Tim Miles had when uh the infamous 30 or I guess famous infamous Finn which side you're on the 38 to 8 start that Creighton had on the yeah. basket he's like well at halftime, I just told the guys that, you know, something about rock bottom, the only way up, the only way to go after when you're at rock bottom. So, I mean, that's probably right. some of the mindset that UT Arlington had at halftime. It was like, yeah. well, we can't get our butts kicked any worse than that. So, just come out right. and play free and easy and see what happens. How good of a how good of a win? I mean, I, I'd imagine that half the teams, the Creighton season, the Big East, are going to be better than Arlington. Yes. At least. I think um, so, too. So, it, but... Arlington is the preseason favorite in the Sun Belt, and you would su- suspect that the Mavs will do well in that league. Start adding up some wins, and yeah, and piling up the wins and boost Creighton's RPI a little bit, and um, it'll look like a uh, uh, a decent win. That you know, I think it, I think it, it probably won't be an at-large team. No, I don't. But think there'll so. be a team that you think you don't. You know, there'll be a team that you think will because of the role they could potentially get on in conference yeah. play that. You probably don't want to run into them in March. Like they might be an upset special type pick. It's a it's a team that I thought it's the are. same thing I thought last year. If they got into the tournament, they lost in the, the Sun Belt tournament. Mm-hmm. But if they got in the NCAA tournament, I think it was a team that you would have heard people saying, "Hey, watch out for UT Arlington. Like right. they can make a run in the Sweet 16." And like when you're talking about a guy like Kevin Hervey, I mean that you mentioned the scouts in attendance. A lot of them were there to see Kevin Hervey play. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's the fifth in the country in scoring. Got you got to a nifty, quick point guard who looks for others and creates for others. Um, and that size and length, they they have the pieces there to uh, to scare some teams in the NCAA tournament if they can yeah. get there. Um, and they certainly have the pieces to win the Sun Belt if they can do that. So One, th- uh, one thing on Hervey, though, uh, I don't know if Draft, Draft Express listens to this. I'm sure they don't, but you guys got to <laughs> update that 6'10", 210, because that boy is bigger than that. And, you know, well, what was he listed at, 6'9"? I mean, six nine two thirty on UT Arlington. So yeah, he's he's not six very, seven. He's very he's thick. Big. He's a big boy. Yeah, um, and he moves. He moves well. I, yeah. I'm not. I he had the uh, he had sort of the pull up, the dribble pull up jumper down pat. Like he was, that was his go to move. And Graydon probably gave it up more than they would have liked, mm-hmm. especially in transition. Uh, I wasn't that impressed with it when he put the ball on the ground looking to drive. It's got a little bit awkward there, but they were, they were, yeah. But he moved well without the ball. Um, they put Creighton in a bind a couple times with uh, when they're out of bounds, plays switching, and and uh, he just found found a way that they ran a couple. I think they had a couple successful uh, ball screens with him in the point guard Neil. You know him rolling off the rim or maybe getting a good switch, a matchup that was favorable for him, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Creighton did a good job against him in the first half. In the second half, uh, he found yeah he, he found some openings for sure, and that was part of the reason why Arlington almost got itself completely back in the game. Right. I mean, I, nine right. points. It, it I guess eight points was as close as Arlington got. It, it felt it did feel like a game at point for for stretches there in the second half. Mm-hmm. But um, when you look at it from a grand scheme thing, uh, Creighton was for the most part comfortably ahead. 
I think one thing, you know, obviously goes without saying, but Kyrie obviously really bothered Eric the other night. He was, I mean, even from the hockey press box, you could see that that guy was visibly frustrated, but, you know, kind of story of the year for guys who get, draw the Kyrie Thomas defensive assignment. Um, he still had eight you know, assists, though, still by eight the way. Assists three turn- <laughs> yeah. or four turnovers, so a two-to-one you'll take. But, yeah. you know, when you look at just the overall game he had, four of 12 from the field, one of six from three, um, he wasn't really as much of a factor as I think he probably needed to be in order for them to pull off this upset tonight. Yeah. Um, and I know there's a lot of switching going on, and Kyrie's not on him the whole time, and obviously we you know, we got to break down the film to see how much of a factor defensively Kyrie actually had to be accurate. But, I mean, just I think a general statement is that Kyrie really bothered him despite how shifty he is. I think there was one point in the second half where Neil actually pulled off a really fast crossover into a spin move, and Kyrie actually gained ground <laughs> on him. Like, the next move after a crossover spin is usually like a, like a little scoop yeah. layup, and he actually ended up with Kyrie closer to him during all of that. So, like, wow. as shifty as he's speedy as he is, like, Kyrie's length and ability to anticipate is still just the part that makes him the best defender, one of the best defenders in the country. Um because you just he just takes that stuff so personally. It was talking to him after the game in the tunnel. Is like um, the stuff you don't see, and you're not going to see it in a quote. But he, when he's talking about trying to take away some of the things that a guy like that shifty and speedy likes to do, and he he talks about the one on one matchup and like this little evil smile like comes over his face. You could see that that stuff like he does not like to let guys score on him. Yeah, like it's personal, and I think that's maybe his secret ingredient. Obviously, he's got the, you know, all the length and the measurables and things like that that obviously you need to be a good defender. But the thing that maybe takes him to the next level is how personally he takes his assignments and how scouting reports sound he is with guys going right or left, you know, where to, sh- where to push them into his help defenders and things like that. Um, you know, I thought taking away, you know, their point guard and, you know, disrupting what they like to do in ball screens, uh, when you look at, you know, some of the things that were key to tonight's win. Although Creighton had a comfortable lead, as you said, I think that was probably one of the things we can highlight as a main factor in um, Creighton's defensive performance for, you know, most of the game, Not certainly not all of it. Right. Yeah. Kyrie's good, man. He's so good defensively. It's so much. It's fun to, when you, if you can, you know, a lot of times when you're in the heat of the game, you're, you're focused on a lot of different things. But when you have the opportunity to turn a game back on and wa- rewatch it, it's fun just to spotlight him and mm-hmm. see how much, see how hard he works. I was actually having this same conversation with Marcus Foster the other day. Oh, really? We, we were both sort of marveling at Kyrie's work ethic. Uh, he was he mentioned the Baylor game where Kyrie was just sprinting around, All over yeah, LeCompte. following Lacan uh, as he's running through screens like a full dead sprint through screens, mm-hmm. you know, and, and double Kyrie, screens, right? Double like, screens, yeah. and it's Kyrie's having to fight, and he's right there on the catch every time. Um, so yeah, he's. He's having a special year, obviously, and then then he contributes on the other end with five assists and sixteen points. So, um, really, all around game. Yep. I mean, it's unique to cover a guy like that because usually you don't. It's so hard to give you know the guys that have such a big defensive impact some love, but you know you really almost have to like like you said spotlight him in the film, um, and only watch that certain thing. So obviously to get a, to get a full appreciation, yeah, because, of, because in a game you're not yeah. going to really see uh, that. And then at the end of it, you realize. I mean, if you're watching, you kind of get that sense of like, all right, this dude's frustrated. Yeah, you know, he's having he, this guy's 
Tyree Thomas is, is taking them taking away what he likes to do. Mm-hmm. He's having an impact, obviously. Um, and then you look at the final stat sheet, and Eric Neal's four four of twelve and one of six from three, four turnovers, and you're like, well, dang, oh, yeah, I mean, translated, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, he had an impact. But then when you turn the game back on and you you watch him, like I said, fight through screens or um, stay in front of avoid uh, or, or, or prevent the the ball handler from knifing into the lane and creating for others. I mean, it was a good it was a good day for him defensively, obviously, and and uh, um, it's a nice luxury to have, man. <laughs> there, yeah, like I think Mac has said multiple times now, and he's starting to say it. I think he's going to start to say it more often as more attention gets paid to Kyrie. Is that you're not going to? And he said it a lot with Justin last year too. Um, because I kind of think he saw the end in sight with that one uh, pretty much after that St. John game that you talked about a lot. It was, it was kind of pretty pretty, pretty obvious that Justin was a one-and-done or two-and-done, depending on how you, right. want, how you want to phrase it. But, um, you know, the kind of appreciating what he does while he's doing it because when it's not there anymore, when you don't have that anymore, you're going to notice yeah. the absence. So um, that's kind of where we're at with Kyrie at this point defensively things that he's able to do from and the things that the coaches are able to do just to you know say this is your assignment take it away you right. know what I mean and then what how that affects everyone else on that opponent side of the court you know um, but okay so we've talked a lot about Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas and uh, the other guys yeah there were there were some good moments from a lot of the guys but I do think that Crane's gonna need more um, okay from its auxiliary parts um, Martin Crample and Toby Hegner were under the weather, as Coach McDermott yeah, said. Yeah, that, 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 um, routine, that routine bug that keeps The bug, yeah. yeah, that's been around. It's, I feel like it's hovered around Omaha for like a month. And I got I guess, over it. You've done it twice now. Uh, yeah, I've got battled back a couple times. <laughs> You're fighting um, round two. I feel Free, good right, right no, now. I actually feel good right now, so okay. I'm scared. Okay. Um, but those two, you know, Mitch Ballack, I thought he had a really good game, except for maybe inbounding the ball late. <laughs> Uh, there were some decisions passing that he maybe yeah, a couple of mistakes. His assist to turnover ratio probably isn't. Uh, I guess he didn't have. He had two turnovers. Yeah. Game, so yeah, his assist turnover ratio took a dip. Um, Tyshawn Alexander, the the play that sticks out or the stretch that sticks out in my mind was Creighton calls a timeout right before half and Tyshawn turns it over and then gives up a three. Yeah. Uh, Marcus was able to answer with a bucket right before the for the break, but you know those are it's like those are moments a turnover when you're trying to go two for one. Yeah. And then giving up a three. That, I mean, that can cost you a game if you know if you're in a sort of tightly contested. Especially out of a timeout, I think out of a timeout, that's that's where your focus right. should be, like absolutely locked in. And, and, it, was, and it was potentially it was a live ball turnover too, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like, um, and he might have got bumped, but you know, you didn't, you don't get the call. You got to be stronger in that moment. That, yeah. um, and then I think Ronnie maybe got a little bit carried away at times in the second half. The, um, I think the difference when I kind of go back and look at it, Arlington had one offensive rebound in the first half. They had seven in the second. Right. They, they, uh, they were eight to four in second chance points. And mm-hmm. so, I've, you know, they you doubled get, up points in the paint after losing that battle in the first half. Right. You, you get seven offensive rebounds and you, you only turn it into eight points, mm-hmm. but that's just that small sample size. I think the, there's a, sort of a mental impact of that too, when you're fighting on the glass and, kind of extending a possession giving giving yourself more opportunities like I think 
that was part of the reason why Arlington got its mojo back a little bit is because it was able to uh, scrap a little bit more and hustle a little bit more mm-hmm. and find its way to offensive boards. So that was that was an impact. And then the other thing, they they were fifteen to one on points off turnovers in the second half. Um, yeah. They they turned it over five times. Great. Turned it over eight times. And um, that, I mean, they had ten turnovers in the first half. They cut all that. I mean, their yeah. efficiency in the second half was for sure. Even from the so, turnover standpoint, they cut that in I, half. I, there there were there are, there are aspects of what happened in the second half to. Um, take note of, but mm-hmm. um, but obviously, you know, there's there's plenty of good as well to focus I mean, on, and all those guys. But honestly, are, when Kyrie's, Kyrie and Marcus are scoring forty eight, and, <laughs> and what there's a turnover ratio is nine to two. How many steals do they have? Five together, right? Five steals together. So they have yeah. five steals, two turnovers between the two of them, or uh, three three turnovers? three turnovers. Yeah, yeah. So I mean. It's it's a pretty good day. Good that, luck, good luck, Big East. If that's what if that, if if that's I what Kyrie and Marcus yeah. are going to do, the auxiliary parts are just gravy at that point. Yeah, so. um, but it's, it's no, almost but you're, you're, you know what I'm you're, saying. You're, like, yeah, yeah. They all those guys, like, yeah. they were they were decent, <clears throat> but there's just like a little bit uh, more that they had. There's so much. There's that potential mm-hmm. that all of them have because we've seen we've seen well, cleaner play. And we talked about it. We talked about it a little bit on the women's basketball side when you when you have like experienced players that you know what to expect out of them. That goes into defensive scouting reports. So that's who you're taking away first. Yeah. Who steps up? Because that's the difference in a win or a loss right, right there is who can help you out. So when you look at Marcus and Kyrie, it's like, okay, duh, those are your one and two. That's who the scouting reports going to focus on on a nightly basis. Can the others, you know, do enough to put them over the top? Because right. that's ultimately what's going to decide this season. I think we said it from the start is how much do they get from the rest of that group. Yeah, that's. So, yeah, I, I, guess I don't that, think I don't think you're wrong to continue to highlight right. that. I mean, that's something that needs to continue to be a difference. But I mean, I, I guess what? How would you grade it tonight? If you were to give it a grade, as just take away Marcus and Kyrie and grade everything else. I mean, Martin Crample eleven rebounds, so he's over double figures again. Ronnie Harrell nine and seven with you know two turn. He had three turnovers tonight in twenty six minutes. That's. I mean, for Ronnie, that's not that bad. But I mean, it's when you think about it, there were some. Season. I guess there were some mistakes. But, yeah, but it's the thing that's like we've what we've seen from Ronnie to this point is he hasn't been that guy. Yes, and so that's true. so so you're judging him on a different bar now. Right? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah. oh, you you set a standard. You gotta yeah. you gotta meet that. Same mm-hmm. with same with the freshman. Um, same with a guy like Martin, although you know, obviously under the weather and Toby. But um, I think that there will be instances where you know Kyrie Thomas and Marcus Foster aren't. As efficient as they were tonight, oh, absolutely, and were as productive, and then yeah. the spotlight will be on, um, on the other guys. I mean, for example, Ronnie Harrell when he had the ball, I could hear the guys from UT Arlington yelling from their bench, "He's not going to shoot it! He's not going to shoot it! He's passing!" Okay. You know, people are going to start figuring out the tendencies for what the taking other, away the strengths of the others, yeah, right? And they're going to have to adjust yeah. and and step up. So. Um, that to me is probably you know, we've said a, min- a million times I feel like, but that's going to be the difference between whether or not this team can kind of take the next to ne- take the next jump. Mm-hmm. It's a good team, obviously, right yeah. now, um, uh, worthy of the top twenty-five designation for sure. But if they want to be, you know, one of those teams that's making a run in in March and and competing possibly to make a, a Sweet Sixteen mm-hmm. or battling as one of the top two or three teams in the Big East. It'll be up to the 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 next guys um, behind Kyrie, behind Marcus, um, to consistently kind of deliver and, and 
respond, even though teams are going to have them figured out a little bit more. And my final thought, um, and feel free to disagree, because I know we've we've kind of pushed this topic a little bit, and I don't think we've come to an agreement on it yet, but uh, one thing I'm pretty pleased with over this sample size of 11 games so far, now going into one more, which you know should be relatively sort of a tune-up for Big East play. I don't think Creighton will have any problem with it, is uh, rebounding. I don't think, for me, it's not a question anymore. Now, obviously, the physicality they'll face in the Big East, and certainly some of the teams that are good on the glass, it'll they'll, they'll have some tests that they haven't had at this point yet. But, I mean, when you look at the defensive rebounding percentage, they're leading the Big East comfortably in that category. Last year, they were dead last yep. in it. So, I mean, and I think their percentage jump, they were 69%. Um, as a defensive rebound team last year, they're 79% this year. So we're talking about quite a significant improvement in that area so far through 11 games. And they've done it to teams that are – like they've seen teams that are physical and tough on the backboards, and they've still sustained that level of, you know, competitiveness on the glass. And I think when – that might just be this, you know, Martin Crample is a good rebounder. You know, Ronnie Harrell Jr. is a good rebounder. Kyrie Thomas is a good rebounder. Marcus Foster is an improved rebounder. Um, and you just look at the fight on the glass, it's a lot different than last year. And I just think that this team, I think I'm starting to just be comfortable with the fact that this is a good defensive rebounding team. Um, they're not going to give you, first of all, they're not going to give you second chance opportunities because you run the risk of, if you don't get it, getting it run back down your throat real quick. Yeah. So that's part of the uh, part of the process, too, is teams – aren't going to be so willing to crash the offensive glass against a team like Creighton because of how fast they need to get back down on the floor with numbers to make sure they don't give up something, you know, quick threes and get them going in transition. So, But here's the thing, though, is they were – that was the same thing last year, though. Was it? You know what I'm saying? Like, teams were – they didn't want to give up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, transition that, that philosophy. Sure. Right, yeah. So, I mean – So the fact that it's still changed, you think is – Yeah, I think that's more of a okay. – it's more of a signal that Creighton's made a difference. Okay. Um – but yeah, you can feel free to disagree because I know. Well, I, I know yeah, you're still waiting to see because there are some a little major bit, tests. A little bit, I, it, but standpoint. it's almost like a necessity, though. It's like Creighton has to rebound. Yes, uh, Creighton has to take care of the ball. Like those two aspects. Well, which, it's one of the things they talked about in right, July, which are mo- that I, to me, those are the two areas that they've probably improved the most, at least to this point, in mm-hmm. defensive rebounding percentage and their turnover percentage. Like turnover percentage has dropped. I mean, they were. I don't know what they were going into the game today. Maybe top twenty in the country, maybe mm-hmm. top ten in the country. Um, and they, but but you see, like when when you when they turn it over, um, how how much of an impact that can have, mm-hmm. and, and and how detrimental it can be if they if they're not able to crash the glass and control the boards, like it really opens up sort of a Pandora's box of problems. Oh yeah. So, I think. I think you're onto something. I think that they've shown they've probably shown enough, honestly, for me to jump on board and say, "Hey, yeah, they're a good defensive rebounding team." But it's almost out of necessity. Like, they better be, otherwise they won't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. otherwise. And so, and, not, and, yeah. and they know that though. Yeah. Like you said, they've talked about it since July, and uh, um, they've made a commitment to it. They've you got when you got guys. <laughs> it was funny. I was talking to Marcus Foster the other day about it, and he was like, "Yep, I was one of those guys that they spotlighted after the game." It's like. The leader of missing blockouts, you know, they'd say, "Hey, this guy, this guy missed 
this guy led our team tonight and missed blockouts. Yeah. yeah, and Marcus admittedly was at the top of the list often, but mm-hmm. uh, not as much this year because he's made a commitment to it, and, and um, that's part of being a leader, obviously. But other guys have done the same. Well, there's something about like talking the talk and walking the walk are two different yeah. things. Like you hear seniors a lot talk about, you know, being leaders and um, wanting to take that next step and wanting to put people on their backs, but. You know, Marcus has been kind of – he's said it, but he's not, like, overly said it. He's just said, like, this is my goal. That's what I'm trying to do. That's who I'm trying to be. And then, you know, he doesn't, like, beat that into the ground. He just goes right. out and does it. So you kind of see him walking the walk in that area. So um, you start to believe it once you have proof. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, overall, I think – but that's my final take on um, what we've seen so far through 11 games with one – I guess they have two non-conference games. We have one non-conference game before league play starts with Seton Hall, who obviously will really test that theory of mine that they're a good defensive rebounding <laughs> yes, team. definitely. I might find out in a, in a bad way how wrong I am <laughs> real quick. Um, I don't think it's going to be as bad as last year where they literally gave up offensive boards on man. every possession to end yeah, the that game. That game in the bag, even though how many free throws did Kadeen Carrington shoot? Yeah, well, about 51. But yeah, exactly. Anyway. Okay. He, had, he had quite a bit of practice there on free throw line that day. Um... That's 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 all I got from the night. I think uh, I think you hit on some good things about about you know the type of win that it might be, um, and then we highlighted obviously the performance of the first half where it was Creighton was pretty sharp on both ends of the floor. Um, kind of a glimpse at what maybe they're capable of. You know, obviously not for forty minutes, but you know, little by little. I mean, proved, little by little, they're getting. If they're, you have a stretch better. like that. It's enough to win a game. Yeah. I mean, they didn't play particularly well in the second half, but they had already won the game. Because I've seen, like, there's there's not a lot of teams that, in the Big East, no offense, like, but they don't, there's not a lot of teams with a lot of firepower to overcome a 20-point, like, a 20-point, nine-minute stretch. Right. Like, that's going to bury most teams in this league, so. So if they're able to sort of replicate that, yeah. the energy on defense and uh-huh. creating their own offense by getting stops, turnovers, um, yeah, that's that's a good recipe. Yeah. They're definitely, they're definitely. Uh, uh, UT Arlington's coach said they were tougher defensively than expected. Um, the way that they played, you can tell that they're a really tight knit group. And I think that's yeah. What did he? What did he, he compare? Did he have two comparisons? Like he had compared them to Derrick Rose's Memphis team, and then Kyle Korver's. Yeah, I think he was literally just senior team. I was like, one of these things is not like. One of these things is not like the other, sir. Yeah, and I Texas, don't <laughs> Texas too. Okay, but I think he was literally just like rattling. Yeah, off. he was probably like. <laughs> Good One of the best teams yeah. that came to his head. Good. The first like three teams that came to his head. It's like ah, oh, you know, Danny Manning, Kansas, yeah. uh, Carmelo know. Anthony, Syracuse. Like, like just rattle. Memphis, Memphis, uh, Derrick Rose. They went to the yeah championship game. game. Okay, yeah, they basically should have won it, right? right. Yeah, they can uh, shoot free throws. So, yeah. But I, I, I think that that's one. Well, Creighton missed eight free throws tonight. So maybe they are like Memphis. Who there knows? you go. So, yeah. I think that that is one of the advantages Creighton will have. On, I mean. A lot of teams bring back players, and they are uh, in the Big East. They bring back a lot of continuity, and they they fit together really well. But Creighton's chemistry and sort of do it for one another mentality, mm. um, I think, will serve it well in the Big East. And so uh, uh, that was on display, especially the first half tonight, and mm-hmm. something that they can they can use when the moments when when times get tough in, in league play because obviously yeah. they're going to face some adversity. I think uh, with UC Upstate, after UC Upstate, we'll uh, do a deep dive into the Big East and kind of 
break it down team by team and kind of what you know matchup wise they can expect because um, there probably won't be much to dissect from UC Upstate. So we'll get into that a little bit more in the next uh, episode. But um, for now, thanks for listening. Um, for reading purposes, check out John's work as always. Um, buy a newspaper, by the way. I haven't been saying that. Buy a newspaper. Support the writers. Like Yay. subscribe. Do all that stuff. I don't know how much is it. You want to like? What's the cost? Ninety nine cents nothing. now, right? It's it's nothing. It's basically nothing. It's basically free, but it's less than co- a cup yeah. of coffee at Starbucks. You there know? you go. Stop drinking coffee. Coffee's nasty. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, read John's work at Omaha.com. Buy a newspaper. Check it out. He does great work. Um, and then hop on over to White and Blue Review as well. Support the Creighton coverage if you want more of it. That's how you get it. Um, until when? Wednesday night. We'll talk to you then. Have a good night.